Well, good morning. It is great to see you in God's house. I trust that you have come today saying, God, I want you to speak powerfully into my life, powerfully into my situation. I want to tell you one of the most exciting moments of my life. I mean, at the point of overwhelming. I will never forget this moment as long as I live. It was the moment that I found out that my family was one of the finalists. And in fact, when we received notification, it said this, that we may have already won $5 million. I was, I was nine years old. I, I went out to the mailbox, opened up and got the mail, and, and there, there, in the mail, written right on the outside of the envelope, said this, you are one of the finalists. And I, I just, I had this anticipation of Ed McMahon coming to my house and knocking on my door with the balloons and a big check. Going, man, this is going to change my life forever. One of the saddest moments for me was this. As an adult, the, the first time that letter ever came to my house, my name was misspelled. And I thought, what if, what if they pick me? What, what if they pick me? What if I'm not just one of the five finalists? What if I have actually won, but because of a technicality, and they have my name as Edward Glavin? I don't know who Edward Glavin is. That's my money. That knock, I, I, I anticipated that, that knock on the door. Jesus says this, Behold, I stand at the door and the knock. I, I don't know about Ed McMahon showing up at your house, but here's what I can tell you. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he stands at the door and he knocks. And he says this, if we'll just, if we'll just open up that door, this opportunity we have to, to connect with him on a real level, on a personal level, it's, it's available to us today. God, I thank you today that you stand at the door of your people. You stand at the door of your church and you knock. God, let us individually and as a group, let us open that door and, and receive you, all that you are and all that you offer. God, thank you for your word today. As we take a few moments to consider it, let it let it truly be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Help us to, to hide your word in our hearts that we might not sin against you. We commit this time to you. In the wonderful and the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. Let me offer you this this morning. I'm, I'm driven in what I do. I'm, I'm grateful for the privilege. I'm grateful for the opportunity to, to serve as uh, the lead pastor of this church, uh, I consider it an honor every Sunday when I come and there are people that have shown up and they're willing to sit and hear uh, what I have to say. I, I, never, I never take that for granted. And I'm, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful that, that God gives me the opportunity uh, to do this. I, um, I'm a passionate Christ follower. I'm a passionate Christ follower because 
I, I know the difference that God has made in my life. I'm not the man I want to be, uh, but I'm certainly not the man that I could be. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I know this. I know the, what the restorative work of God, I, I know what it does in my life. And, and I want to I serve God to the, to the fullest of, of, my, of my gifting, my ability, and, 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 and what he can accomplish through me. I, I want the world around me to know Jesus. Each Sunday, I, I pray for you as you're, as you're on your way here. I first, I, I pray with the pastors. We meet um, at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And it's been, we, we, just, we take 30 minutes to pray in the prayer center. And we, we pray for the service. We pray for you. And then I, I, uh, I go just to, just to one of the rooms that's back here off of the, the back of the sanctuary. And, 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 and here's what I know. Let, let me say this. I know that in some churches, and this isn't speaking to what I do being better or worse. I just want you to know kind of how I function. And, uh, and I know some pastors will be out there greeting people on Sunday mornings and stuff like that. I, I tell you what, I, I love spending time with the church family. And Sunday after church, um, I'm, I'm, I'm down in the lobby and I'm there for as long as people uh, want, want, want to talk, want to visit. But before church, I believe that the most important thing that I can do is this is make sure that I'm ready to bring the word um, and to spend time just, just closed in with God, praying for the day and praying for you. And I, I, every, every Sunday morning I pray this. I pray, God, I pray that you would remove every hindrance, every obstacle, every roadblock, every issue, every argument, every temptation that would keep people from being in the house of God. I pray, God, people that are driving by on I-4 do something to change their mind and bring them in. I will, as I'm praying, there's a little window in the room that I'm in, small, but there's, there's this little window, and I, and I see people pulling into the parking lot that's over here, and, and man, I pray over those cars, and, 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 and what I notice is this, and, and I, don't, I don't make a statement in judgment or condemnation, I, I make it in observation. I say, God, there's still room. There's still room, there's still room. There's still room. And I know, God, that your word says that we are supposed to go into the highways and byways and compel them to come in because, God, it's your desire that your house be full. I often wonder if I do enough. I wonder if I'm personally inviting enough. I wonder if, I am, um, if I'm encouraging the church family enough to, to engage with God at the level that, that he wants us to engage I wonder about I wonder about our theology. And I get concerned about about missional and doctrinal drift. Because it's so easy to get to get caught up in things that just aren't true and, and they don't line up. They're not right. One of the areas that people struggle with is actually, it's, it's, a, it's a misunderstanding of, of Matthew chapter 7. Where Jesus challenges us to ask, seek, and knock. Ask. Seek. Knock. There are a lot of people who have misinterpreted what this scripture says, and, and they've embraced a, a blank check the, uh, theology. 
Because what happens is this, is that if you take a, a scripture reference and you look at it in a vacuum, you, you look at it not in context of everything else and, and, and not with the full understanding of all that God has spoken to us. The simple truth is this, is, is I can pull out of these 66 books of the Bible out of centuries of biblical scholarship. I, I, I can pull select scriptures out and, and I, can, I can make the statement that God has spoken exactly what I want him to say. And I can let scripture speak for me instead of speaking to me. Right? One of my, one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, plays is, is the play Fiddler on the Roof. I love Fiddler on the Roof. I love it for uh, its music and, and, and all of uh, what goes into Fiddler on the Roof. I also love it because Fiddler on the Roof, it, it so speaks to um, the issue of culture and it speaks to the issue of church, right? And, 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 the, and the challenge of, of not losing tradition but also embracing what's happening in the moment. I actually thought about that this morning as we were in the middle of worship, right? Because here's, here's what I know. I know that um, the worship expression that we are most comfortable with tends to match uh, the era that we grew up in. All right, so so those of you, those of you that are uh, that are Jesus, uh, you know, that grew up in the in the Jesus people movement in the seventies, right? There are a number of you that when you came uh, to faith, some of you came to faith through Rock House here at Calvary or through some of the big concerts, right? And uh, and you can really connect to uh, Jesus is just all right with me, right? Anybody else? Am I the only person who remembers that song, right? And uh, and you'd be, you'd be totally comfortable with us doing a concert outside in your barefoot, right? So maybe not so much barefoot anymore. But anyway, we, we, we tend to connect, um, you know, very uh, homogeneously, very, very, very culturally uh, in, our, in our approach to God. And, uh, and it's, it's, easy to, it's easy to get the idea that our way is the only way, right? The great old hymns of the church... The great old hymns of the church, Queen Victoria would not allow those hymns to be played in her presence because they considered them to be, she considered them to be gutter music. Okay? Wesley's church in Bristol, England, it had no windows on the first floor because the Christians of the day would come and throw rocks at that church. Right? Because they were so incredibly worldly. Now you think about some of the great hymns in the church, right? Some of the great Wesleyan hymns that they were referred to as gutter music. Why? Well, part of it is because many of them were remakes of songs that were sung in the pubs in England. Can you imagine that? Taking a song that was written in a pub and singing it in a church? I praise thee, O God, my blessed Redeemer. I once knew a girl and her name was Matilda. Oh my, I, wow. Right? And we get, we get caught up in this. Anyway, Fiddler. 
the lead character will often, he'll quote the good book, right? Well, the good book says, the good book says that God helps those who help themselves. No, it doesn't. It's real easy for us to quote the good book, and it's real easy for us to misquote the good book to, to fit our own idea. What I want you to know this morning is this. It is, it, it is God's desire to bless you. God is a protector. God is a provider. God is a restorer. God is a redeemer. God is faithful. And over and over and over again in the Word of God, it talks about this issue of bless. And it's God's desire to bless. What God does not give is a blank check. God does not give a blank check. And and oftentimes what happens is we struggle with reconciling these principles of God and these promises of God with the reality of our day because we don't rightly appropriate the blessings. And so what will happen is this, is we'll read something like Matthew chapter 7 when it says, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. And we go, you know what, pastor, I have asked, I have seeked, and I am banging on the door. And it's not happening. Well, I want to unpack that this morning. And I, I want to talk about God's plan or God's blueprint for blessing. And, and Jesus makes a statement, ask and it will be given to you. He makes a statement at the end. He's, he's coming to the end of what is commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. He's on the Galilean hillside. And Jesus is there with his disciples and this, this crowd. In fact, some Bible translations call it a multitude. So this multitude comes up and Jesus begins to speak to them and Jesus begins to teach them. Right? And the very first thing he says is this. He says, blessed. Blessed. Blessed are they. Okay? And, and it actually starts out kind of weird because he says, blessed are the poor. And that doesn't really make a whole lot of sense that, that you're blessed if you don't have anything. And not only does he say, blessed are the poor, there's two different words he could have used for poor. And one means to be meagerly poor and one means to be absolutely destitute poor. And he used the term destitute poor. Blessed are those who are destitute poor in spirit. Blessed are those who come to the understanding that they cannot do it. They cannot attain this thing called holiness. They can't attain this thing called righteousness. They can't put themselves in a position where they're good unless somebody intervenes. Unless they understand that that they are totally dependent upon God. (coughs) In doing so, blessed are they that mourn. Those who cry out to God and go, God, I recognize the fact that I am imperfect. I recognize the fact that I have faults and failures. I recognize the fact that I live outside of your ideal for me. It's this thing that the Bible calls sin. God, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I think it's very easy if you grow up in this holy huddle that we call the church. If you're a second generation Christian or a third generation Christian, it's very easy for you to misunderstand what sin is. And even somehow buy into the fact, not into the fact, into the theory, into the mistaken theory that you're not a sinner. 
Well, let me help you, friend. You're a sinner. 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 Sinner, 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 sinner. You're a sinner. Okay? There is, there is no one that is righteous. Paul made that declaration in Romans, and it is true. There is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the life that we live, we live by grace. The life that we live, we live because of God's mercy. The life that we live, it's because of the undeserved favor that God demonstrates to us. The danger is, as Christians, we can buy into this lie that the enemy tries to convince us and that, and that sometimes preachers that are trying to get into your pocket will say to you that God somehow contractually owes you something. Let me tell you what you deserve. Nothing. Right? And somehow we've confused Jesus with Santa Claus. Come on. And so we get this idea that if I just present my list and if I live my life good enough that I'm on the nice list and not the naughty list. Little side note, let me share this with you. The, the, the gentleman who, who, Nicholas, who became known as Saint Nick. Nicholas, um, in, in, the, in, in, a, in a big meeting in the church, the meeting in Nicaea where they, where they wrote the Nicaean Creed and the, and, the, and the discussion that was happening, Nicholas got so angry at another one of the bishops that he walked across the room and punched him in the face. And they arrested him and threw him in prison and defrocked him for a season. That's Santa Claus. Okay, Santa Claus punched a dude in the face. That's That's history. Okay? So even Santa Claus has been on the naughty list at some time. So this idea that, that somehow I've attained this degree of holiness, that I, that I, that I deserve this special treatment, or, or because I say some words that, that somehow I've, I've discovered the, the magic formula, that that's not the way this works. And so when Jesus asks, seek, and knock, here's what he's doing. He is, he is summarizing what he has said throughout this entire Sermon on the Mount. So when he talks about ask, he's already discussed in great detail this issue of praying. Right? And so yes, we are supposed to ask, we're supposed to engage in, 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 in fervent communication. For everyone who asks, receives. Here's what 1 John says. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will. Wait a minute. Now there's a, now there's a requirement to it. If we ask anything according to his will. Matthew 7 says I can just ask anything. Well, it really doesn't. See, what Jesus is doing is Jesus is summarizing what he said in Matthew chapter 6. And he says, listen, when you pray, when you pray, he says, listen, I, I don't want you to pray 
I don't want you to pray like the hypocrites. The hypocrites, their prayer is a performance prayer. Okay? They pray to impress. I also don't want you to pray like the pagans. The pagans, they, they pray a formula prayer, right? So they think if they do this ritualist, ritualistic thing, that somehow it's going to convince God to move. So Jesus says, I don't want you to pray that way. Here's how I want you to pray. I, I want it to be personal. I want it to be genuine. I want you to close yourself off in a private place. And here's the thing. Jesus isn't saying that you should never pray publicly because Jesus prayed publicly on numerous occasions. It's recorded in the Gospels. But he's talking about this issue of, of, of your connection with God. And he says this. When, when you pray, what I want you to do is I want you to, in essence, get into your, your private prayer area and say this. I, God, uh, my Father in heaven, you, you, are, you are holy and you are amazing and wonderful. I'm, and he says, acknowledge who God is in his sovereignty. Reverence that and worship that. Acknowledge who you are to God. Right? God, I, I acknowledge my faults and failures to you. God, help me to understand what your idea is. Help me to understand your plan. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And what's interesting to me is before we ever get to the desires on our heart, in prayer, before we ever get to what we want, before we ever get to our shopping list, Here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to acknowledge God and who he is. We're supposed to say, God, I want your plan to be the top, the top priority. And God, I recognize that I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. So, so God, here's my, here's my prayer. That you give me what I need. To live the life that you've called me to live. Right? I acknowledge you are God. I acknowledge that your kingdom, your plan, your agenda needs to be the priority of my life. I, I'm not perfect. So God, what it is that you want to bring into my life, God, what it is that you want to bring into my day, God, that's, that's my prayer. And I thank you, God, for your grace, and I thank you, God, for your mercy. That's, that's, the, that's the demonstration that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 6. And then he says, listen, I want to remind you, ask. Ask. Ask God. Because when you ask according to his will, James wrote this. He says, you don't have because you don't ask God. Or you ask God and you ask for your wrong motives just because you're a big, greedy, selfish pig. He doesn't call you a pig. That's me. So God is comfortable, listen, God is comfortable with us asking. And, he's, and it says this, for everyone 
who asks receives. God is faithful. Let me, let me offer you this thought, though. I think it's real easy to ask and not give God opportunity to answer. Because when we understand the character of God, we, we will quickly discover this. That God truly is love. And, and God is never silent. We just oftentimes we, we don't give an opportunity for him to, to answer. And so we ask, but we don't give God an opportunity to answer. And so that issue of when you look at Matthew 7, ask, seek, and knock, ask speaks to that issue of, of conversation. It speaks to, to an interaction with God on a verbal level. And, and it's important that we, that we talk to God, but it's also important that we give God opportunity to respond back to us. Prayer was never designed to be monologue. It was designed to be dialogue. And, and when, we, when we recognize that and we position ourselves rightly, it works. And let me, let me help you a little bit. One of the reasons why we get tripped up on this is because we desperately want to figure out how to position ourselves to be happy and to be fulfilled. And what, what we do is we, we do this, but we do it on our terms, not on God's terms. Okay? Or we'll do it, we'll do it, um, We'll do it haphazardly. I want you to. I want you to. I want you to imagine for a moment that we're not in the sanctuary at Calvary. But instead, y'all are over at my house for Thanksgiving dinner. It's an honor to have you. I don't know how I fit all of you in my house, but it's great to have you. Okay? And I've prepared the Thanksgiving meal. You're going, to be a, you're, going to be, you're going to be impressed. Well, I don't know about impressed, but you're going to take note of my ability as a chef. I, I've, I've paid close attention as I've made the various, dish, uh, the various dishes. Okay. Um, you, will, you will like my pumpkin pie because I have put 90% of the ingredients... that are in the recipe in there. 90%. You, you, will, you, will enjoy, you will enjoy my black forest cake. The only ingredient I've left out is sugar. All of the other ingredients I've put in. Are, are you starting to, you're starting to get an idea of what's going down here. 
I, I, will, I will regularly, I mentioned this to the membership class yesterday. If you take Christianity and the overwhelming majority of false religions and you put side by side, you put the ingredients list side by side, it's very much like taking a box of Cheerios and a box of decon rat poison and putting them side by side. They're the same color. And 99% of what is in Cheerios, which is scrumptiously good, and decon rat poison, which will kill you, 99% of it is the same. It's that 1% difference that will kill you. And so here's what we do. We go, okay, God, your plan, great plan. So God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to engage with 90% of your plan. I'm going to engage with 95% of your plan. Well, pastor, I can't be perfect. I understand that. And, and, and God's not asking us to be perfect. Perfection is reserved for God alone. And that's the wonderful thing about grace and God's mercy. And that he who has begun a good work in us will continue that work until it's day of completion. Here's my concern. I think that for far too many of us, it, it's not an issue of, it's not an issue of ignorance. It really is more an issue of rebellion. Okay, God, I, I understand what your I understand what your what your word says about, about seeking first your kingdom and then everything else works. But God, right now I have to make my job my priority. Because do you understand, God? My job is what feeds my family. I want you to listen to that. I want it to sink in. God. I understand this, I'm supposed to put your kingdom first, but right now I've got to put my career first because that's what feeds my family. God, I want you to understand that you're not my source. This is my source. Does that make sense? God, I'll... I will, I'll be all in once I get my kids through school. Because right now, I have to focus on them. Something that I will never get, and I understand that I, in this I, might, I may be going from preaching to meddling. If I am, oh, that's good, I love to meddle. Anyway. I never cease to be amazed at how parents have no problem pulling their children out of church for school events. But really struggle with pulling their kids out of school for a church event. And I've watched over and over and over again as parents have sacrificed their children on the altar of sports. And I'm a sports guy, okay? I'm an avid sports fan. But there's something about this issue of, of understanding priority and understand engaging and, and fully engaging. 
Pastor Dana mentioned just a few moments ago, you're in giving. And let me say this, that, that as a church, I don't ever want you to have the feeling that we're trying to get in your pocket. But listen very carefully. Church, listen very carefully to what I'm about to tell you. I would rather have you go to a different church and be a tithe payer than come here and not be a tithe payer. Because I'm not interested in getting your money, but here's what I do understand. I understand that this issue of stewardship, that it's a biblical principle. And what happens is this, is we go, God, I will, I'm in on 90% of what you ask me to do. But God, I don't understand why you're not doing 100% of what I expect from you. Right? People don't understand why they don't walk in joy and peace. And yet they walk in bitterness and anger. And here's what the word of God says. It says that to the degree that you forgive others, that's the degree to which God forgives you. Where there's bitterness and unforgiveness, you will not see God, his word says. And we go, I'm asking but not receiving. Friend, if you're asking and not receiving, you need to pause and not ask the question, God, what are you doing wrong? But go, go okay, God, what part of the design that you have for, for, for my life am I not fully incorporating into who you've called me to be and what you've called me to do? God is not dead, nor is he broken. God is not dead, nor is he broken. And so we can have this open and honest conversation with God. Everyone who asks receives. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we asked of him. It's a biblical truth. And it's not just engaging verbally, asking. It's engaging at heart level in seeking. Who seeks, finds. That's what he says in Matthew chapter 7. If you ask, you receive. If you seek, you will find. Well, when he says... If you seek, you will find what he's doing is he's summarizing what he has said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, when he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And when you do that, everything else will come into alignment. See, if you take Matthew 7, 7 and 8, and you take it in a vacuum, it seems like I can ask God for anything and he'll give it to me. I can seek out anything and I will find it. I can knock and any door will be open. That's not what God is saying. What he's saying is this. He's saying, understand that I've provided a, an avenue, I've provided an opportunity to you had, for you to have ongoing conversation, ongoing dialogue with me because I want to be involved in your life. I want to guide you. I want to guard you. I want to gauge you and I want to grow you. I want to help you be all that you can be. I want you to live your fullest potential, but understand in doing that, you're going to have to trust my plan because my plan works a lot better than your plan. And if you make it your aim to seek me first, to seek my kingdom and my righteousness, watch what happens. The writer to Hebrews said it well when he said this, that without faith it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him 
must believe that he exists, and I, I love this part, and that he is a rewarder to those who seek him. He's a rewarder. I love the fact that God is a rewarder. The Bible tells us that we will, when we die, we will stand before God in judgment. You will stand before God in judgment. But this is what I love. I love, I love, love this. I will not have to stand before God and give answer for the things that I've done wrong. Because the word of God says this, that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he separates my faults, my failures, my sin from me. It says that he chooses to remember my sins no more. He chooses to remember your sins no more. So when I'm standing before God in judgment, what am I standing in God for judgment for? For my reward. For my reward. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? First Corinthians declares, run in such a way as to receive the prize. They run to receive a prize that will not last or, or, or a perishable crown. We run this race of life to receive an imperishable crown or a prize that will last. Our God is a rewarder. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. He's a rewarder. When, <laughs> and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's what David said in Psalm 119 when he said, Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. We talk to you as, as, as we bring our time to a close. We talk to you about this issue of, of knocking. Because asking and seeking are, are important. But they're incomplete without knocking. Knocking speaks to activity. It speaks of engaging. Right? This life that God has called us to, it's not just a life of word. It's a life of deed. That's why I love Revelation 3.20. When Jesus makes this statement to, to the lukewarm church, to the, to the apathetic church, to the, to the undisciplined church, to the unfocused church, to the fruitless church. He doesn't condemn the church. He also doesn't gloss over the, the faults, the failures, the shortcomings. He says this, you, you love me, but I'm not your first love. 
You have a commitment to me, but I'm not your highest commitment. You're not walking in evil, but you're also not engaging in good. Okay, can I tell you, I, I, I live in that world more often than I care to admit. And, and I have a pretty good chance, I, I, I think there's a pretty good chance that you do too. Jesus says, I'd prefer that you'd be either hot or cold. Now here's what we know, God, God doesn't want you to be cold. He doesn't want you to live a life that that leads to eternal separation from God. But he wants you to, to live this life with a, with a dynamic connection with him and a, a dynamic engagement in what he has for you. He doesn't beat you up. He doesn't condemn you. Here's what he does. Stands at the door and he knocks. I don't have to stand here and try to convince God to engage in my life. Let me say that again. I don't have to stand here and convince God to be involved in my day. And neither do you. There's not some secret formula. He's standing at the door and he's knocking. Why? Because our God is a God who models this issue of engaging. And that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to ask. He wants you to, he wants you to be talking to him. Tell him of your joys. Share with him your frustrations and your fears. Confess to him your faults and your failures. Let him know about your dreams and your desires. He's good with all of it. Seek Him as your highest priority. And make the determination that you're going to be engaged in His kingdom. Hello. It's our pleasure to bring the ministry of Calvary Orlando into your home through the Calvary Connect television program. We would love to hear your feedback as a viewer. We encourage you to email us at tv at calvaryorlando.org. Let us know what you like or what you don't like. We would especially love to hear stories of how Calvary's ministry has helped your faith or enriched your life. Thank you so much for being a part of the Calvary family through our television ministry. And we look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us for Calvary Connect. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for our Sunday morning worship experience each Sunday at 10.30 a.m.
We're located right off I-4 at 1199 Clay Street. To connect more with Calvary, visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for watching and God bless.